0: Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 4, Episode 4, Escape Velocity. I'm going to be slipping away from this life very soon, and I've gotten kind of curious as to what that's going to be like, and so I did some research. And there are some people who say that when people are getting closer to their death, they just don't care as much about rules and laws and conventional morality. Are you threatening me? No, no, I'm just saying have a quiet life. And I'll die a quiet little death. And everyone will be happy. Escape velocity, Mr. Anderson. Escape velocity. Do you know that the escape velocity is the speed you need to break away from a planet? a planet's gravitational oh. pull. That's what escape velocity is. Isn't that cool? Interesting. I, I was that.
1: thinking for some reason it was like about like the velocity you need to like eject from a falling plane or some shit. Yeah.
0: Well, well, maybe, maybe that's, maybe you could figure out a way to make that work too. But in, in physics or astrophysics, I believe they call the escape velocity, the speed at which you need to go to break away from a gravitational object and when the escape velocity is greater than the speed of light, you have a black hole. Pretty cool, man. Ooh. So, interesting. It's an interesting title. We've been talking a lot about titles lately as we've been doing this show um, in the fourth season and what they may or may not mean. But um boy, does this one start as old? <laughs> This is a real Debbie Downer kind of app, real a real fucking Debbie. knee slapper, you know. Ooh, this Just is a real good old time Downer app, man. You got Yikes. the chief saying, "I, I'm glad she's dead." Basically, <laughs> fuck that dingbat. I knew it. I knew he was like that. He's still pining After over a bummer. A-
1: after a nice, long, poetic speech about how even the gods themselves must kneel down to hear his lament, the lament of that shriek, right? <laughs> dull, hollow eyes. Dude,
0: the opening is so fucking wild. It's really cool. It's like a really cool like set. It's cool looking. Oh, I like it. it. But I'm also yeah. like, and also like, the other the, the priest's all hot now. I don't get it. Guys is hot. This one's hot. But what <laughs> what's going on is he's... It's so funny. He's lamenting himself, like you know. It's such in a, a way, w- yeah. Like it's such a weird thing. He's like, you know what? And, like people make shit about them. It's like <laughs> I kept you in my no, heart. people. You were the breath in my lungs, and I mean, yeah, stuff like that. The blood in my veins. Like, relax, fucking drama queen. This is not high school playtime. And then he's <laughs> like, he's, he's like, and now the breath is gone. I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs>
1: I'm the one who suffered.
0: You write that in your your comp book in between classes, in between lecture hall and fucking, (laughs) you know, I am left a voice. I'm the
1: one who's alive, but it feels as if I've died. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh man, I know she's dead, but oh, the feelings I have are unmatched. I mean, I get that she's dead and that's probably (laughs) shitty and it was probably a horrible death out there in space, but oh, my pain just dwarfs it all. I'm the king of pain.
1: Ladies, ladies, do you see my pain?
0: <laughs> Look at, he's he dressed real nice. His, <laughs> he, hear his heart's lament. It's funny, he's thinking about her, but he's also thinking about himself. And all joking aside, that's one of the interesting aspects of this episode is kind of um, losing touch with himself a little bit. This uh, These tragedies are amplified by the mystery of his nature. Right, and I mean that's he says that
1: verbatim himself. He's I don't know. He doesn't even say who he says I don't know what I am anymore. Like I don't like even to the point of like my position here doesn't matter to me anymore. It Doesn't feel like it holds meaning. I'm not a husband anymore. I'm not a human being anymore. Like what the hell? What does this leave me?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, boy,
1: is he? Uh, seemed to be cracking under the weight of that question.
0: He is. Uh, there's a lot of reconciliation going on this week, right? That's. Uh, it's, it's cool to see how Battlestar Galactica will sometimes do this. They'll drop a through line in, uh, you know, I, I, I routinely, well, twice a month, talk to Nate about star, star Trek. And if you are a bonus, if you're a paying member of the Illuminati, Liberty, geek, that join, you can learn all <laughs> about that because we do, we do cover next gen and we've sort of been just picking our favorites season by season. And, we kind of went back and we're going season one, picking a hand, handful, picking a handful from two, uh, you know, probably up till seven until him and I decide someday we'll do a podcast. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but uh, uh, long, uh, long winded explanation aside, my point is a lot of times the subplots in the Star Trek episodes didn't always match up with the through line of the episode. They were just kind of side stories that existed tangentially to the main through line. Um, right. And sometimes they did. Like sometimes the theme of whatever Wesley was enduring played a factor in the main through line in the weird plot with the Romulans. So it's, I always am looking for that, especially with the uh, space military science fiction, I guess you'd call this. And you'd probably call Star Trek that too. Uh, this is obviously a little bit more gritty and hardcore, but um, I, liked, I liked that each of the characters are tied together by an internal struggle that is that is very, they're, they're handling very much alone, yet they're all related. And I just think that that's a clever part of this week's episode, which is we're seeing Rosalind have to cope with her mortality. We're seeing Ty cope with what he is. We're seeing Tori cope with what she is. We're seeing Tyrell cope with what he is. Uh, Not much from Anders this week. The Starbucks crew was not really touched upon. But I like that we're seeing how, even though they're all together in this, they're really all alone in this. They just, they don't stand together. They stand adjacent to one another, if that makes sense.
1: Right, right. That's one of the most interesting things about uh, them being Cylons at this point, the fact that they all know each other are Cylons. Like you'd kind of start to think like, okay, there might be a little more camaraderie among them, but it's like, no, it's not. They actually are. They seem very at odds with one another. They're not friends through this struggle. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. they're kind of, you know, you almost get the feeling they resent having to be around one another. It's like, ah, fuck, we all know each other. (laughs) Our are Cylons. So we're in this weird, shitty club that we hate. We don't want to be in it and we don't really like each other, but here we are.
0: Absolutely. And probably one of the more fascinating aspects of this is that we don't it's not a it's not literature it's not a fiction it's not novel uh, so we don't it's not a novel excuse me <laughs> i use that wording I, I said that wrong in the sentence it's not a novel <clears throat> it is pretty novel but it's not a novel meaning i don't understand what any of these characters are thinking and uh, right. we know that one thing they're probably doing is thinking pretty consistently and maybe even obsessively and constantly because of this bucket of water that was smashed into their face called you're a Cylon now. And <laughs> you, you have to imagine all of the different thought processes and all of the splitting of the atoms, so to speak, of thought that, that they just each are individually going through and handling in a way that they, that they just are, that they, that they are conditioned to, that they choose to, that they are just simply reacting to. And uh, I just find that fascinating. Like, we don't know what any of these people are thinking because it's such an enormous stressor. And that's one of the fascinating things about this is that when Chief acts the way he's acting, you don't go, well, this seems out of the blue. It, it may, but if you stop for a second and you think, think about everything he's thinking about. That's the most insane part about this whole thing. Everything he, that oh, yeah. might be racing through his head at any given moment, uh, not just about himself, but about his compatriots that are also silenced. He might be thinking, well, maybe I'm not, maybe they are. Maybe it's not right. You know, maybe you start to wonder all of the doubt and anxiety and fear and anger and rage and this just sort of, you know, spin, spin wheel of of options that he may be feeling at any given moment. And the one person who seems to be embracing their Cylon nature, like we compared Louis and Lestat, seems to be hmm. Tori. She seems to be going the Lestat oh, route. Like, yeah. I'm going to just enjoy my time. As a Cylon, and uh, and that's going to be what it is. Uh, and we see that this unhinged behavior, Matthew, starts to become a security concern. It already has been. It's cost Callie her life, right, with the strong pimp hand. True.
1: <laughs> way too strong of a pimp hand, straight into space. And, and
0: after this ceremony, which, by the way, Rosens saying, I really like this, and you need to know that, Bill, which is just a heavy fucking thing to say to somebody— Um, Right. Boy, total
1: opposite of, I really like the way they did their wedding.
0: Hent, Hent. Jesus. (laughs) I really
1: like the drapes at
0: this funeral. Hent. Right, man. It's brutal. but but That is really heavy. What I was getting at is that we see the aftermath of this awkwardness between Tori, Ty, and Tyrell. That's cool. And uh, where they are just (laughs) like, oh, uh, what was that back there? You got to watch, you're going to get us fucking killed. Be careful, man.
1: Yeah. And dude, I really like the scene when they are in uh, Tyrell's quarters with him, and it's Ty and, mm-hmm. you know, Tori on either side of of the chief sitting there. And you kind of get this little tug of war between Ty essentially being like, hold on to your humanity, embrace this, you know, this grief and, and, and endure it. And it's normal to feel this way. It's human. This is what a man feels. And then Tori being like, it's fine. Embrace, you know, embrace being a Cylon. Like embrace the new life that you have. Just take it, like, put, shut down this feeling of grief. You don't need it. Um, And it's like, there's this, they're at odds there.
0: Yeah. Has a woman ever plucked your hair out while grabbing your dick?
1: Uh, no. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like my signals would get crossed. I would be like, stop fucking ripping my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not getting off on
0: this. <laughs> she's, uh, she's awfully strong that Tori. She pins little yeah. Gaius down and talks to him about, uh, I don't know if she's going for the pinhead route, right? Pleasure and pain. That's what it's kind of seems like. But if you pluck my hair out, you're annoying me.
1: Yeah. Like if you
0: want to be kind of kinky and you want to run your nails into my chest a little bit while you grab me, that's cool. I can get into some like wacky werewolf shit with you. Or like, yeah, I mean, if
1: you already everybody's already heated up, we're we're midway through, yeah. and you're scratching my back. Hey, that's all fine and good. We're all at the same energy level. I'm sitting here relaxing and uh, laying on a bed, and you just start ripping my hair out. I'm Not into it. I'm not going to get a chub out of that. Yeah,
0: I don't know about the plucking my little hairs out, but uh, I told you Tori was marriage material. I'm still going to go on that because now I know that she's. A, I know she's a freak.
1: <laughs> Definitely not deterred. I'm but not I'd deterred. Like, yeah, let's not do that.
0: I w- we would have to have a talk though. <laughs> you know?
1: I like it better when you cried.
0: Yeah, <laughs> She's licking his face like that goddamn orderly in T2. Big old <laughs> lick. Jesus. Big old doggy lick on the face. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: guys can't tell whether to be horny or scared or just both. Just embrace
0: it. But this is interrupted by the lamest gang of all time. <laughs> the Sons of Aries. The Sons of Ares. <laughs> it sounds cool, but... Yeah. <laughs> They're putting. First <laughs> they, of all, they're very unprepared. They're putting their makeup on mid-attack, dude. Yeah,
1: they're you know they're like Lord Humongous's c team for like, sure. Fucking rolling in with yeah. their vests and <laughs> just smear some black paint on us real quick. I'm gonna go punch some women and then run away.
0: <laughs> Don't walk, oh yeah, just walk away. I oh, may wait. Hold on, Lord Humongous, You haven't got me black paint on yet. Oh Christ, these guys are terrible. You got the grease paint. I'm all like, I'll use engine grease, I suppose. I'll use a bit of the old petrol across me face, but I'm going to put it on as I rush in. I don't know, they became... Hello,
1: oh, humongous, everybody, wait. Oh, it's in my eye. Oh, it stings, it stings, wait.
0: Could you do me a favor, guys? Just put the face paint on next time, ahead of time. We talked about this in your last peer review. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. The guys are Those guys are getting written up ah. after this one. Lord Humongous is going to be uh, not happy. He's going to have them pumping gas, I think. No longer <laughs> on the uh, assault marauding team.
1: Jesus, yeah,
0: but what a fucking
1: weird... So, and I, I love how they roll in and they're like, they already know. They have two minutes until the security response. So they're like, all right, just knock over shit, shove people, kick and punch people for uh, 45 seconds. <laughs> and Then we have to turn tail as fast as possible because Marines are going to fucking be you know, here. You
0: know when you make a character in like an RPG on a computer or on pen and paper... And you're like, get stat allocations, So you're like, I have a pool of a hundred points and I can only put so <laughs> exactly. many. So they're like, they put a ton in on like their intelligence and surveillance. And they're like, well, they'll be here in two minutes. And then they're really like on their preparedness. It's just so low. They're like, oh no, we, we forgot our makeup, dude. Our <laughs> stats, stats are so imbalanced. Yeah, we we should have balanced the stats out a little bit because these jabronis have the time sink of the marine response team. That's ridiculous. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they have that, but they don't have their makeup on as they rush into the of course. And by the way, if one person in this room had a pistol, this fucking raid is over. They, they rush in, bang, 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 one down, bang, bang, you, you shoot a second one. And they're oh, oh, they put their hands up. Like guy's got his fucking lipstick makeup <laughs> still in his hand. Drop the, lip, drop the makeup. And he drops it. <laughs> it clanks on the metal deck. Out of here. Kick him in the <laughs> pants. Get home. Get back to humongous. You're on the D team now. And also, where do these guys fucking run to? They still
1: got face paint all over them. No
0: shit. And why face paint? Just trying to be scary? Sons of Aries?
1: Like you couldn't just find a sock and tear a couple holes in it, pull it over your (laughs) head?
0: Like a respectful fucking midnight raider? Like, come on. Like a goddamn dime store, you know, strong arm man. Have some respect. (laughs) Put some pantyhose over your face. Before you asked, a a noble
1: history <laughs> long noble history of thuggery, and you guys are doing a very
0: poor job respecting. <laughs> exactly. It. I bet the generation before Sons of Aries had their shit together, you know? <laughs> Fathers of yeah, Aries, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were good. Fathers of Aries, they had it together, you know. They didn't fuck around. They were uh, they were on time, they had their things put together. You know, you just can't make a good son of Aries these days. They're just hard <laughs> yeah. to find. Good help is hard to find, I'm told, Matthew. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. Well they get in but and yeah. they kick some people around, they pull some girls' hair guy is uh is hidden and they fail to find him despite the hair you know 1987 wwe fucking triple tag team look <laughs> exactly thought, oh my god just colliding people with fucking metal chairs <laughs> i thought for sure one guy was going to put one guy on his shoulders and they're going to clothesline him off of one of the you know chairs like tag team who's in shit they pick up one <laughs> of the girls and hammer fist her while she's on the guy's shoulders or something and she tumbles and falls extra damage
1: Boy, religious per- boy, religious prosecution uh, persecution has gotten really theatrical. Yeah,
0: it's absolutely. Look, it's a good show. Look, guys, we're really trying to up our numbers here, so we're trying to be entertaining. We've been watching this fellow from Earth called Vince McMahon, and we're thinking he kind of knows how to run a business. So let's, uh, we, we need to really, we need to gussy <laughs> up our, our heel, our marketability, it's so low. Mm. Anyway, that's no good, and uh, and other things are no good because we're starting to see the effect of chiefs incompetence or or should I say his his emotional... Distractedness. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's being, he's been compromised emotionally. He's, he's distracted and it leads to a really bad crash on the deck.
1: Dude, that was gnarly. Really yeah. I, gnarly. I was actually starting to worry. I'm like, well, I don't know if they're going to make it out of there. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> expecting that these characters might be offed here and that would be an especially shitty moment for G. For Imagine how they
0: just waste like, racetrack after all that time. Just bang. Fucking
1: bam. <laughs> that would be some Game of Thrones shit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fucking random ship accident, dead. dead.
0: I think that's racetrack. Uh, but yeah, it goes bad, and um, they crash. And uh, of course, we learn that... It, it, we we One of the interesting aspects of this week's episode is Gaius Baltar being somebody who was proven innocent, not guilty is probably a better way to say it, and is now a colonial citizen with all the rights of one. And now, it, it's funny to think about... <clears throat> In, in that caught me by surprise again on this viewing, even though I knew that was the case, because we was like, oh yeah, they have to do something about this. It's that's one <laughs> of the more interesting aspects of this episode that I like about it. Um, right, right, that they
1: have to investigate this, they have to per- pursue the people attacking them.
0: Yeah, which uh, which is kind of nestled in between this chief stuff. If you're if you're if you're thinking about this from a scene by scene basis, um, so yeah, kind of interesting. Gaius is you know Gaius' persecution is driving him he has that he has that willfulness in him where if you try to shut him down you're going to make a monster out of him right i can right. really wrap my head around that i appreciate that about him <laughs> Until though, you know, there he, I feel like
1: the moments where he hesitates in this episode about continuing on or like what what is the point of all this? I'm just getting people hurt. It's always Head Six that pops mm. in in those moments again. This is, this is back to like season 1 Head Six like come on, do it. Like or uh, like urging him on to do specific things, specific actions. Like, you need to do this. You have to go there. Stand up. Like, go do here. Like, he's kind of being ordered around a little bit. Um, But she is really seeming to just push, pushing him towards, I can't tell if it's either like martyrdom or become the religious figure yourself. Uh, I mean, because, you know, I, we're kind of jumping into it. But like, the, some of the dialogue he, he shares with her, once they start to realize even one of his own followers is still hanging on to some of the relics of the the old gods of, of mm-hmm. the uh the 12 colonies and she's like oh yeah the old gods aren't just going to give up like it, it, it's going to be a you know essentially a fight of like to establish monotheism uh, essentially and when they're when they're talking about that he's like well what am i supposed to do i'm just one man i'm supposed to take on all the old gods i fight all these gods like is that what i'm doing now and she's like well think of what kind of man that would make you practically god himself Right. And that boy that, that I really got hung up on that line. I was like, are, is he, is this really, is he really going to be fucking Cylon Jesus? Like that's what this episode, man, this boy get religious with it. Nah, 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 nah. I mean, fuck. We are really, this season is just going balls deep into the, the whole religious aspect of, of him especially. Him in particular, but everybody. I mean, everybody's faith is starting to kind of come up here.
0: Yeah, and and you probably it's probably like as the Mayflower was in its worst time approaching the Americas, and they were like, "Fuck, man, we're all dying." Uh, Please, Jesus, get us! (laughs) You know, you like it's desperate (laughs) times. No more scurvy, God. You know, you know, you're getting to the end here. You know, so it's it's. I'm sure there's this desperation in this. And there's the splintering and you got somebody off with a, with a garbage ship looking around. And I want to kind of talk about what you were discussing as it relates to six, because if there's one advantage Gaius has it's head six. Here we are talking about the final five, four of them anyway, um, just having to reconcile what's going on in their life. Uh, And it's doubly worse for chief, although Ty had to off his own wife. So, he understands exactly where Chief is at, which is, and, and more so, for, to be frank. But what I do like is there are there are all these times where head six could be a distraction, could be this, could be that. But there is this advantage to, let's just say, having a conversation with head six because you suddenly don't feel alone. Uh, that's probably one thing guys has never really felt because of her presence in his life, and that's alone he doesn't really ever have to face anything completely alone, um, which is fascinating because he is not, We one of the things I've said I like about guys is the fact that he's not part of the civilian government and he's not part of the colonial military. I like that he's on the fringe that makes for interesting possibilities um, And you would almost think, well, does that mean he's alone? He doesn't have the support like the colonial fleet does. No, because he has this goddamn thing in his head that he talks to all the time. And it (laughs) offers him- His weird
1: Jiminy Cricket.
0: Yeah, it offers him wisdom and insight that he couldn't possibly have. And the chief doesn't have this right now. He doesn't have anything. He's When you can physically speak, it sounds so cliche, but if you can just verbalize what you're thinking to somebody and they can respond to you- it is way different than letting something rattle around inside your head. Way different. Oh, definitely. So it's a huge advantage for him, especially right now, and especially as, if there's one thing we know about Gaius, he has endured for a long-ass time. He has faced, <laughs> he's had to endure being labeled a traitor, going on trial, having evidence presented that was fake, uh, being, you know, getting pushed into the presidency, then then dealing with the presidency, then, then becoming... Uh, then having been essentially taken over and then finally embracing sort of with the help of head six pushing this role that's been given to him this you know if there's one thing Gaius never really does is he never just sort of sits on the sidelines and when he does the show is not as interesting right when they don't have anything to do with him he becomes less interesting. But because he's a good actor, James Callison, because guys now has stuff to do, it just generates interest in him. He's fucking essentially, Matthew, nailing his 95 thesis to the goddamn, uh, you know, (laughs) castle, uh, I don't know the castle in Germany what it was, but nailing the goddamn 95 thesis to the wall, to the church door or whatever, and saying the Catholic church needs to be reformed. And I'm the guy to do it. I mean, he's being Martin Luther. I know we've, we've compared him to Jesus a lot. (laughs) Maybe it's a amalgamation of many different types of religious figures that have endured over time. But, you know, there's, it's, it's wild to, to see him go in and disrupt the very service, not the service, but the, the woman who was presiding over Cali service. Uh, She's like, this is a service. He's like, this is ridiculous. And he just. He is now, <laughs> he is now engaged almost in a renegade behavior because he has decided, I'm not going to cower in the bulkhead anymore. I'm going to make my presence be known and I'm going to make noise and you're not going to be able to ignore me. Wow. And it's yeah. fucking intense, man. What I find interesting about it too, and it, it makes me
1: kind of wonder at head six's overall plan for him is when you think about. The position he 's at at this point in the fleet, kind of like what we were saying he 's always been on the fringe he, like he's been more closely involved with the military before, but never an actual military person, always kind of a, a consultant or somebody they 're working with, usually reluctantly. Uh, but now he's he's more on the outskirts than he's ever been. You know, he what do they call it, Dogville? That he's in like that area of the the ship where it's just like it kind of it's almost like it, it, it's it, almost like the outer rim in the Star Wars universe. Like that's kind of where he's in, even though it's inside Galactica. Um, so he's this this outsider figure, but it almost perfectly positions him to be this new religious upstart because. What else does he have to lose? Like, he's a complete social pariah. Everybody fucking hates him. But he now has this pretty close-knit group of weird followers who adore him. And, like, what does he care about? Like, he's not going to try and salvage his reputation or his standing among Galactica or the fleet anymore. Like, he's kind of beyond that. He doesn't care anymore. It's like he's been put through all these trials, in a sense. And this is what this is what I'm thinking about more, as far as like head six is for him. Is has this been the culmination of all this suffering and all this persecution he's already gone through to get him to this point mentally, where he's just like, well, yeah, fuck it, I'll embrace it. I'll tear down the old religion. I'll start challenging it. Start you know being the gadfly that's going to bother everyone and Hector
0: them about their religion, and maybe start to bring people over to my side. Yeah, it's interesting because you could see a guy like gaius you 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 could and you couldn't you and that's what again it makes him interesting and well written you could see him just being like i'm going to hang out with these beautiful people all day and just kind of be worshiped and that's my life and you could totally, probably yeah. ask people what what would gaius do and they would say of course he would do that why why he's a, he's he's a leisurely sort of lecherous guy who doesn't really give a fuck about what's going on He's been declared uh, not guilty. He is no longer going to be uh, outside of those Sons of Aries bullshit attacks. He's just, (laughs) he could just live out his life. He probably, on the one hand, you might say that, but then you realize, no, he didn't get, you know, regardless of what you say about him, he didn't become as important as he was to the defense mainframe because he was sort of uninspired and, and lazy, right? Right, that's true. So he was what he was, and he was a famous person. He was a famous, brilliant scientist, and maybe his brilliance and genius means he didn't have to work as hard as everybody else, because that's often a thing you see with athletes, especially. Um, but uh, he, <laughs> he, you would think, oh, he's good. He's going to just hang out and have sex with beautiful women all day, and you know, say little sermons, and and that's <laughs> that. Like, but no, keep
1: everybody inspired. But no,
0: in he, he throws himself into the teeth of controversy. And uh, that could be the arrogance, and I also think it's the 100% the drive being put into him through six, having for, as you said, four seasons tell him, you have a bigger purpose in all of this, guys. You have a bigger purpose in all of this, guys. And we've seen humility from him in season four. And now we're seeing uh, a no more Mr. Nice Gaius, as he was fond of once saying. And here he is pushing the agenda and in, in maintaining uh, perhaps relevancy – uh, in the public eye in the eye beyond his own followers you know true
1: yeah i think that's exactly what we're seeing now like he is he's got nothing else less to lose like what else does he have to prove other than what he has in his hands now which is this kind of new religion
0: you know i bet deep down inside he would he wishes for the approval of like um Dhamma or maybe even a rosaline i bet there's a part of him that wishes that the powers that be would just offer him some kind of respect you know what i mean yeah, I, take him seriously. Take him seriously no and respect him, and and call it arrogance, call it what you will. But I, I I definitely believe that. But what you said a minute ago is is interesting because what do we have in the in the theme of the episode? We have all these people reconciling things, and guys is going the route of Tory in a different way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he takes her words by the end of the episode. Indeed, she's the one who uh, after she's you know tearing his little hairsies out and saying. You know, it, basically, if we are one with God, then we are perfect. Like we, nothing, you know, we we are, in a sense, almost infallible. And he was like, "Well, that, no, that implies that we're we're infallible beings, and that can't be right. That's not the the way this works." But by the end of the episode, that seems to become his new mantra. Like because that's something we got we had to talk about too. Like it's already been this whole, you know, I don't know what you want to call it—a cult or religious kind of mystique—that's been around him, and these people are kind of encircling him and following him. But he hasn't ever really been all that much of a religious leader. Even in the past you know, episode or two, he had, I guess you could kind of quote it as like a miracle where he prayed for the boy and people knew he prayed and the and the boy got better. But he wasn't giving like sermons or anything. It's not like he has some actual religious ideology sure. that he's preaching. But by the end of this episode, it's starting to look like he is. Like he, he kind of... Took Tori's idea and is now starting to make that like, yes, we are already perfect. We are already in sync with God and perfect beings that should love ourselves and love everyone. And which is both like kind of interesting and also possibly insidious, which is uh, another interesting aspect of it.
0: It's what's fascinating about the whole thing is that Gaius, forever, and in some of his most hilarious lines, were when he was. Being a real prick to six, to be frank, about her beliefs. Sparring in religion. about religion. Yes. Yeah. So totally. it's not that impossible for him to pivot into this is the wrong religion, this is the right one, because he's he's got the same type of he, he's not being he's not being sarcastic and acerbic. He's being he's being radical and preachy. He's being a, a renegade, you'd say. He, you know, he's doing the right. thing where He's going to have 10 chicks line up to suck him off when he gets out of jail. Oh, he's so brave. You know, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> and like, he's going to, he, and that's what he's doing. And I'm not saying that's why he's doing it, but he's, he's calling Zeus a, a rapist. He's, you know, he's, he's going after the old gods. I mean, he's going head first, like the Rams on the hill, like bang, he's going right at it. There's no subtlety here. It's just yeah, straight. Pure sacrilege. Pure, straight up. In your face, kind of shit, and Gaius has always been shifty and deceptive. And this is different. He's coming full, full frontal attack, full frontal attack. Um, <laughs> he
1: grabs her little jar of incense. Get this shit, you old haggard witch or yeah. whatever he calls her. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ!
0: And uh, it's pretty uh, wild. It's pretty wild to to witness uh, him kind of doing his thing this week. Yeah, should we should we just kind of follow through the rest of the the whole Gaia
1: storyline? Yeah, why not? I think we can talk you new know, next i mean he desecrates the i don't even know what you would call it. i don't think their religion really has like a name like when you think about it there's not really a name for whatever the the multiple gods religion of the colonies was but he desecrates one of their temples uh shouting that zeus and all the other gods are bullshit and yep. rapists and monsters and nothing to be respected or cherished uh and he's immediately dragged away by marines and thrown in the brig and Rosalind herself goes down to talk to him Ooh. and i <sighs> Dude, I love this fucking subtle but very cold threat she gives him. I am the no tyranny? longer in the mood mm-hmm. to indulge. <laughs> Dude, seriously, though. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm going to put the boot on your religion's
0: neck until I'm dead. Yep. Yeah, that's her. her. It, we haven't really given a framework for Rosalind this week, but we get the impression that her medical condition is not good. Not good.
1: Yeah, prognosis bad.
0: Yeah, not good. Um, and now we have this thing where she's basically saying, and because of that, I, I think Roslyn is doing this, I'm willing to do what I think is right, and your rights and the law be damned because I think it's right, and that is, matters more to me than, than anything else. I think what you're doing is dangerous and wrong. Um, right. yeah, that's a tough position to be in because now you're behaving as a dictator would. You're doing what you believe is the right course of action for your people. Um, in other words, you you're it's very complicated because you're oh, you're yeah. you're you're supposed to be the example of law. You're supposed to be the example of order and and you're supposed to uphold everyone's rights individually. Um, to ensure right. that you are maintaining a sort of equality for your subjects.
1: And it's also supposed to be a somewhat democratic government where you don't just arbitrarily decide the law yourself. Like that's not what she's supposed to be doing. right?
0: But I, I do like this not-so-subtle as far as I can tell. Look into the eyes of a dying woman. Look at my wig— understand I am at the end and I am not afraid to kill you, essentially. She's, she's basically saying, I will drag you to hell with me. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I don't think Rosalind cares about her legacy anymore. And I, and I, think, I think what she cares about is this, this bugaboo she's always had with Gaius and that. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see almost her obsession with him. It's wild. It's, I like it because it, I, think it, I think it dirties her up a little. To see her so obsessed with this one guy that it's like her fucking Moby Dick, this guy, you know, she's willing to drag them both to hell. Her reputation of, I will squash you and it will be illegal. And I don't care. Like she doesn't care about the blowback of that. And, and that's what, that's what, that's what's great about Lee. Lee's the principled guy. Lee is the, we're going to maintain our principles here. We're not fucking animals. Um, and, and I think it, what what is
1: interesting about Rosam specifically, what what I've always liked about her is that normally outside of situations with Gaius, like she is a fairly level-headed person. Even if I don't always agree with the, you know the the way she's going, I get her reasoning, and I'm like, I see why you get there. I see why you're choosing that. Maybe it might not be the way I would go, but she's always it seems like a very rational, smart person who tries to balance all of the options. She doesn't really fly off the thing. handle.
0: You're saying is that what you mean yeah, by level-headed? I think so. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, she, she's pretty good about tamping down just her own knee-jerk reaction and be like, okay, well, like, let's actually think about this. But I love that that shit all goes out the window with Gaius. Like, mm-hmm. when she gets in a room just with the two of them, you can see that she, she loses that control. She loses that, that ability to balance her, her emotional reaction when it's him. She's just like, oh, I just fucking hits you. Huge, like, she just can't help herself. It's
0: a huge herself. weak spot for her, too, right? It is, yeah. That's a, that's a really, it's, it's, um, it's a hole in your game. Basically, to allow right. somebody to have that much emotional control over you, it's bad. Like that's, it's tough to be a leader in that case. It's tough to do anything if you allow somebody to have that much. They occupy so much space in your brain. That's bad news. It's yeah. not good for yeah. her, you know. Whereas guys like Ty and even Lam, would just be like, eh, he's a shitbag. What do you want me to tell you? Let it, let it, let it. <laughs> let it, we let it exactly. I don't. I've got time for this, but we do see. I mean. I mean to go in there and say that the way she said it is just so intense. And then, of course, we get Lee, who's going. This is unacceptable. This 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 provision about not allowing people to gather is is unacceptable. This is a direct representation. This is using the law to oppress your opponent. This is this is right. the definition of corruption, right? <clears throat> Because it's, I think it's mostly a
1: limitation on the size of groups that assemble and like making sure that, oh, it can only be like 10 people and no more than that. Uh, which, you know, Lee is quick to point out like, well, that could be applied to any religious group. That could be applied to anybody. Like, are we just, we're, we're only trying to make to – and that's one thing. This, this scene actually did surprise me as far as Rosalind's judgment. She's like, no, 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 we're talking about Gaius and Gaius only. We all know he's a special case. But I'm like, well, that's not how laws That's work. not how laws, laws work. Laws can't be made right. to work for, well, this law exists, but it only applies to these people right here. It's like, no, laws apply to everyone across the board. That's how a law works. You can't just do that. You can't make a law. It's
0: like, well, it's only for those two guys over there. Right. And he's like, "Yeah, this." is bullshit. And she tries to couch it in the politics by saying, "Oh, it's for their protection because if they're not gathered, they won't be attacked." Which is utter horseshit. The Sons of heirs would rather pick you off as individuals. That's that's not how gang violence works. They're going to go after your individuals, and it's going to be easier. To be perfectly frank, you know, it's right. uh, you, you're you're strolling out to your car one night. That's when they fucking beat you up. They're not going to, you know, it's it's tougher when you're out with all your boys. You know, <laughs> if they can <laughs> get you alone, you're in deep shit. If there's anything boys in the hood taught me, dude, if there's anything (laughs) boys in the hood taught (laughs) me, that's
1: it. Hey, minister society, you gotta fucking gang up. But no, fuck, like, what, what's crazy about it, too, is that even the Sons of Ares, guys, I mean, they, when they're in there, they're just like, where's Gaius? Where's Gaius Baltar? Where is he? Where is he? We'll be back for him. We'll be back for Gaius. Like, that's all they care about. Like, they just want him. So if they can find him and kill him, they're, they're going to do it. It doesn't really matter if he's in his little lair. They don't care about all the rest of the people in his group. They want him.
0: If you put one Marine outside his quarters, it never happens again. Exactly right, but now now it's like, but that's the emotional thing is she doesn't want to fucking protect him. Oh, not at all. Right? She she's doing this to a break up his home. They they which which is what what with this scene kind of leads to, which is guys trying to go back into that little area and they're like, no, there's too many people in there, and she's like, this is our home. What are you what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, this stuff where she's like, they aren't provoking resentment. Ugh, that sounds like some radical lefty. Bullshit. Pro- Wait, what's the line? She says, they aren't provoking resentment. <laughs> what does that even Pro- mean? Pro- are you yeah, te- that's a little weird to Are define. you telling me those people aren't responsible for their own feelings? And that guy's his group is making them feel something because you sound like a seven-year-old. Yeah. You psychopath. That, yeah.
1: That's another fucking crazy thing They're provoking thing
0: resentment? What are you talking about? They're, they stay in their <laughs> cave. It's, it's And if people are dumb and follow them, then that's the people's problem.
1: <laughs> that's like somebody being like, well, I just know that there's a gay guy out there somewhere, and that pisses me off. Exactly. Like, well, that's not really your problem, though, is
0: it? <laughs> not their problem. It's funny, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't get that shit. <laughs> it's bananas. <laughs> fucking so They're bad. out there. Yeah.
1: Ooh, they're just out there living their life somewhere. It
0: fucking pisses me off. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's a you thing, man. That's a you problem. They're provoking resentment. Yeah, she's basically saying like their, their existence— X's me, basically. <laughs> that, dude, yeah, that's the most horrific politician
1: doublespeak of like, well, if they just didn't have their religion, then that group wouldn't have formed to oppress them. See, they, see, it's their fault.
0: Yeah, that's wild, dude. Like, no, wild.
1: <laughs> that's not how that works. You're being an asshole.
0: Yeah, and she kind of, you know, she she knows like what she's doing here. But, but like you uh, said, that the, 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 yeah, the real does, tipping man. of the hand and the real, I mean, this can't be new for this group assembled group to watch her uh sort of react to any 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 discussion about law and politics when it relates to fucking gaius i mean the room has seen this before in fact they probably largely agreed with her a lot of the times and they may still on her but when you start talking about assembly because you can't name him specifically because now you're literally discriminating against him you you're you're doing the most tyrannical thing you can do. You're making a law for him, right? (laughs) But (laughs) since you can't outwardly do that, you just make it this other way. And then these other people see the writing on the wall because they're like, well, this law can then be leveraged against any other unpopular group that isn't, isn't doing what is necessary to the status quo, to the powers that be.
1: Right, right. And they all, they all sniff it out. I mean, like we've already been saying, like this is one of those times where she, even though I think she probably kind of subconsciously knows that she's being a little obvious about this, she just can't help herself when it comes to guys. Like she, she cannot even come up with a real good justification
0: for it. The problem is, is it's just, it's just bad thinking and it's terrible policy because you're not, (laughs) you're really, it's, it's like an emergency. She, I think they even call it an emergency provision, which is insane because she can't think of any other way to try to combat him if if she believes i believe she says i'm trying to keep the people safe right I, mr mr adama my job is always keep the people safe and she makes it very clear that that's the case you know this is we've right. we've heard this from 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 every blue and every red administration in the US that's ever existed and all it does is curtail your fucking freedoms right <laughs> like it was like <laughs> come on we get it we're safe no 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 we want you to be Extra safe. We're gonna be we should be extra safe. Now well, I mean, I feel like I feel like you already said it. I mean, if she
1: if she really believed in that, like I feel like if Adama had to make this decision in her stead, and it's him making the call like, oh, okay, well, how do we proceed with, you know, his group and how do we, you know, keep attacks from happening, you'd post a marine at their fucking door and that's it. And like the orders would be to not to interfere with him, not to try and, you know, say or influence what they're doing, but just to not let people who are are, are like are showing signs of aggression or whatever. Just like, you know, you keep them from coming in. Like you keep those people out and that's it. Like that would be this, the, the line that you have a guard.
0: Right. And that would be really all you need. And, and, and if there's one criticism I have for this episode, it would be that we don't really get any information on the sons of Aries. It, it, it's, it's yeah. a blind spot in the writing because the the, the the contention would be who are these criminals that are beating up women Let's <laughs> right. let's go after them. Why don't we do that instead of going after Gaius Baltar? Because that just looks really bad, um, and it's not going to make his followers. If he has followers, he's a danger. If you want him to have followers, then go ahead and persecute their leader. Because let me tell you right. what that's going to do: just drive more followers to him and create more f- more fervor in their ranks. They're not gonna they're not gonna disband unless you go in there and you like murder the shit out of a bunch of them with state power. You know. <laughs> you if you go. if you pull a fucking uh, whatever pick your regime then do that kind of shit then okay maybe you'll disband them temporarily but yeah it, that's the thing it, where there's no like who are they Like when when it was the other group it was like here's a dossier on the group here's what we know remember was this the black market group are we talking about or not I don't know if it was a black market group but it might have been and, we're, and, and in this there's like oh we got we got nothing we're just sons of Aries oh let's go after Gaius no go after the sons of Aries for sure um, right they're the ones committing the crime it's so. not just the right and it's and politically it makes sense because what you're trying to do is curtail his growth and if you allow the sons of aries to indiscriminately attack him while also oppressing him and his ability to to, to form a group it's a it you're, you're throwing gas on the fire it's a really bad solution versus if you go for the sons of aries now no one's attacking guys little group and they're just kind of chilling in there and humping you know like don't don't give them reason to to steal themselves and to want more like this attack caused gaius to rush out and break this thing up right i mean he's responsible right. ultimately for his behavior he's responsible for what he did but i'm just saying if you're a political person and you're trying to strategize just don't give them fuel take the fuel away right
1: it, it seems like it would be very easy to have you know a, just essentially a conversation with uh, Gaius, you know, having a, a security detail and be like, "All right, we are pursuing the Sons of Ares. We will keep you updated as far as our investigation. We're going to post a guard and the, uh, let us know if you need anything else." And it's like, absolutely. In th- that way, you're not helping his cause, but you're also keeping them from, you know, probably becoming more radical and being pissed off about what's been done to them and nothing being done to rectify it. You, you take <laughs> so, the
0: fuel if you, you if go. you take your emotion out of it and you take the you want to take the fuel off the fire. You go, you crack Ares' heads. Then you go in there, you say, guys, I want you to know we're doing everything we can to find these people. We've already made two arrests. I apologize. Your lawful assembly will be protected by the powers of the law because you're a citizen of the colonial fleet. I apologize for this. This is bad. And suddenly he's like, oh, fuck. i got nothing to be angry about. Can you kill him with there kindness? You go, everybody. If
1: you're trying to keep poli- peace between your political factions in your country, just come to the Recommission Podcast. We got, you got you, all man. the advice you need.
0: We got you. We got that fucking Machiavellian style at LSG Media, son. We know <laughs> how to pull them fucking puppet strings. Let <laughs> <Liberal laughs> that You can start Join the Illuminati.
1: Dude, I, I guess you know we should we should talk about the uh, the final scene with Mister Gaius. Uh, that's badass. Arriving back beaten, you know, uh, Lee arrives just in time as he's having his Gandhi walk into the fucking <laughs> take this gun butt to the face. Yeah, uh, and as six just literally hoists him up and makes him continue. Yeah, he's, after he's like, to, I just want to lay down. He's got that fucking
0: Joaquin Joker body language going on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Seriously, <I'm> getting hoisted <laughs> up by strings. Uh, but Lee arrives just in time to say, "Okay, that assembly law has been overturned." You are everybody's free to go back. And the Marines need to stand down. And that's that. And they're they're back inside their their quotas, and Gaius gets to give a little rousing speech and deliver deliver the new sacrament of Gaiusism.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and this guy, this Marine, these Marines are put in a, a terrible situation. This is this is garbage. Oh, this so is a bad. garbage spot to be in. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> dude, you never want to be you never want to be put on Gaius detail. That's no, and you don't want to like. You want to go down into a very like religious hotbed and just be like, "Oh, you can't come in here." Well, How do you think that's going to go, man? <laughs> they're I think they're are gonna be mad and, uh, like, Suicide bombs might even start happening. <laughs> they're citizens, dude. They're not fucking. You know, they're not. They're criminals. You gotta you gotta get out of the way. Right. Right. Oh, but now they are yeah, criminals because the president said so twenty minutes ago. You yeah, it's like, come on. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right.
0: <laughs> See, it's
1: something we haven't talked about in a while, but it does remind me how much. Like, I I feel like it's obviously not a theocracy, but religion has like a real Force of power in in their society, like the the fact that there's like a new offshoot religion at all seems to be a fucking huge deal that people are pissed about like it's, that's something that's very different from our world I've got, of course, obviously we have like tons of fucking religious based violence and and you know religious like sectarian wars and shit, but at the same time, there's still a lot of religions that exist side by side and they're totally fine but it's like in this world it's like no there's like this one fully acknowledged multiple god religion. And that's like it. And it seems like if there's anything else, people are like, let's kill them.
0: Yeah, like, well, damn. again, it's, it's, the, it's the circumstances are so unique. You have 30,000 people in tubes. Oh and and when, you get, when you get uprisings, it's like, fuck, man, we're just trying to survive here. Do we have to do this now? Like, I get that. You don't want to right. disrupt the order of this while you're running for your life. You were just in a battle that could have been the end of you if not for a fucking eyeball scan. And in and, and, and it's like people are reacting. They they they're reacting, and it's just you're in this position where you're like, God, do we have to do this now? Do like if you if you catch the wind of a cult on your tube with your stadium amount of people in it, you know, of course, spread out amongst many ships, but you're going to be like, Ugh, oh, God. In the U.S., <laughs> it's great. like, oh, there's a you know, oh, ISIS is a thing. All right, of course, And there'll be another one and another one. It's different when it's not in your back fucking yard. It's you know if, if it's not in your face. It's and that's what this is. They're like, oh god, what is this? Mean? So close to one another. Yeah, yeah. I have to smell them. Ugh. Right. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> you don't want this to interrupt operations of the show. I, I understand blowback in this case. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Maybe not the Suns of Aries violence, but the concern for sure. If a religious group sort of forms, almost seemingly spontaneously around this cult of personality, this powerful personality. That's a bit alarming. Right, yeah. right. That, that I would say that's the most alarming
1: aspect. This guy is just being at the center of it. Indeed.
0: <clears throat> well, he catches a couple of rifle butts in the face, boy. That's brutal. Pretty rough. You got to imagine his nose might be a little smashed up. But then as, uh, as you say, Lee kind of pops in and straightens everybody out. That's it. Yeah. and something in the
1: universe loves the entity that is me. I will choose to call this something God,
0: pretty wild. I mean, he gets people. I mean, this is this is his Sermon on the Mount, so to speak. it kind of is like this is what I was saying, man. like the moment of
1: it going from just sort of a <clears throat> vague ill-defined cult of personality around guys where people were like, yeah, I think sort of just following him from his trial and seeing him as a martyr and like, oh, he had these ideas he had in his little manifesto and some like partly political, partly mystical or whatever. And now it's like really starting
0: to become a, a religion religion. And this is, this is his moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's what I would like to do. I would like to end on Bill in The President because that's a nice little scene where it starts with them talking about Lee, and then he reads her the passage. We can talk about that last. Oh, yeah, yeah. But why don't cool. we why don't we wrap on Tyrell and how he's dealing with his shit, and let's talk about Ty and him dealing with his shit. Yeah, boy. Our, our, our really upset boys is not dealing with life very well. Yeah, what about Tyrell's freak out in the, in the little bar area? I mean, he freaks out on his people. is like, that's fine. No, it's not all right. I'm a piece it's of, of shit. Yeah, ah. He's fucking Jesus. He wants to be punished, dude. Yeah. He is he's yearning for it. He's like kick me in the face. Which so is okay. funny cuz we see Ty mirroring this, which is
1: really fascinating. I yeah. oh, really like it. But dude, this this moment, this was the most shocking and hard to watch scene of the episode for me when he's talking to a <sighs> like that's this is um uncomfortably realistic
0: brutal fucking Absolutely, shit. <laughs> man. God, absolutely. Like,
1: whoa, it's like I was almost like nervous to talk about it. I'm like, oh, that's a little like just, I, I think the real kibosh on this scene is just watching Adama be more uncomfortable than I've ever seen him, too. Yeah. Where he's just like, what's gotten into you? Stop. Like, please stop. He, he, yeah.
0: What are you doing? Yeah. He doesn't know what to say. It's, you've never, I've never seen Adama. Say please stop as somebody was saying something. You know, seriously and like and genuinely, like begging, like p- mm-hmm. please, please don't
1: do this, like stop. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to handle you being like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's fucking it's wild, man. <laughs> oh, and you know
1: what? Before before I forget it, one of the other things it was actually kind of sparked by a question from uh, who was it? Who said it? Damn it! I had it up right here. Oh oh, you know what? I think it is. Uh, Callum, Callum Van uh, he had a question. I'm actually just go ahead and read it now. Go for it. Um, where he said, we know from Gaius's stay on a base star that Cylons can project their own desired environments around them, but can Ty do that too? Can Caprica 6 project visions to Ty? So many questions. Um, <clears throat> I noticed something on my second viewing where I think kind of like what you were already saying that the storyline with Ty and the storyline with, uh, Tyrell are kind of mirroring each other. One of the things I think we see each of them do, which I don't think necessarily Anders or uh Tori are doing, is exactly that. <clears throat> that they're projecting, kind of like you know, the Cylon ability, projecting what they see as their reality onto the world. Hmm. Because we certainly see Ty do that, where, where he's projecting Ellen onto the face of six. And, and that's honestly why he keeps coming down there. And I think that is that is that Cylon. Ability or whatever. But the one time I feel like we see Tyrrell do that in this episode is when he's talking with Adama and Adama says to him, Oh, you sure, sure just couldn't hack it being married to a Cylon and giving birth to that half breed abomination. <laughs> and it's like, it's very obvious he didn't say that. Right. But for Tyrrell, being both drunk and a Cylon in distress, I think is projecting that reality onto Adama. Again, kind of begging for that punishment. Mm, I like it. I dig it. Yeah, it's gnarly but boy what a moment man where I mean he essentially he essentially just flat out says like I, w- I wanted to be with Boomer and I feel like a piece of shit for having been a Cylon the whole time and persecuting her for being a Cylon and you know destroying our relationship and I had to settle for Callie and it's not the life I want now I have this kid and I don't even love her don't love them
0: Fuck my let life! You, let me ask you a question, man. You want a nice piece yeah, of prime steak or a fucking frozen pot pie? Let's be real.
1: <laughs> you want a hungry man
0: dinner or yeah, really? man? You want that microwave peel the plastic bag bullshit fucking cancer meal or do you want a goddamn from the earth? You know what I mean, <laughs> it's no contest. You want that good, good. No contest. Want that good, good.
1: <laughs> Fuck. Dude, and it must be—it just this moment. This is a life I just,
0: Yeah, I mean the whole bar is like, what the? <clears> the <throat> f- calls her dull, vacant eyes. Ooh, not, not the cabbage stench, dude.
1: <laughs> oh, fuck, make it sound like you were married to some peasant in 16th century France, fucking iron Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> God <sighs> damn. <sighs> and it also, it makes me wonder just how much him seeing Athena just fucking rubs his ass raw <laughs> like that must be rough dude oh that must be in the back of his mind all the time i didn't think about it. it's something it's one of those things where it's been so long since all of that happened now that i hadn't really thought about it And i'm like oh fuck that is still like at the forefront of your thoughts
0: mm-hmm. yeah man Oh, that sucks yeah yeah uh, and he's like i yeah. don't want special treatment i mean he is tight jawed and intense and explosive <laughs> what the hell's gotten into you make an angel out of someone who wasn't damn
1: and he's like i can see you did made her an angel calling everybody out for all that you know post-death nice talk that everyone does
0: she was pretty she was pretty awesome in the beginning Callie. she was scrappy remember she got shot on the prison ship when the guy that's true yeah that's true and she was always good she was always good to chief and then she started getting a little too fucking naggy you know what i mean fucking nagari do over here fucking nagari do playing the old nagari do every night <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck but he gets demoted so right shit. on the spot i mean he
1: fucking has to yeah. you cannot there's no way you cannot spit in the face of the fucking four star general and say fuck you and not expected to not get demoted like that's that's happening you're probably gonna get fucking court martial
0: yeah especially christ especially in the goddamn bar man what do you think he's gonna do he's a guy he can't let that fly and he he warns him he's like stop it
1: before i have to act on it yeah exactly you cannot he he gave him an out and he didn't take it didn't take it he gave him so many outs he was just like let's just go let's like let's go together let's just leave
0: he wouldn't do it. So uh, Ty goes to see Six in the brig. Six dress sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> just sucks. Suck. So lame. Not dress, but shirt. It's terrible. Dirty, ugly prison dress. Yeah, you know? she's got that fucking gross smocks on in this one. <laughs> Yucky cleavage. Gross. She's she never works out, which is a problem. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she could be tie up. I'm almost certain of it. I mean, Trisha oh, helps. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't. She just needs silent strength. She looks like she's doing the fucking Sarah Connor routine, fucking doing pull-ups in there, one arm. <laughs> he got a lot more meat on her bones, but I hear you. <laughs> so, um, Ty, dude, how good is Michael Hogan? <sighs> he's fucking good. Here's great, why man. he's this, this, so good. Yeah. Because he's awesome at us going, you're full of shit right now. He's an oh, actor yeah. acting <laughs> as Colonel Saul Ty, who's acting like he doesn't want something he wants and that he's mad about something he's not that mad about because his curiosity overrides it. That's really exactly. hard, dude. He's a great actor. I'm saying yeah, great. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to this because he's trying to be coy with her. And and you can right. tell you can tell where this is going. If you watch his express his expressions are so good. First when he sees Ellen on her face his his look of horror slash amazement is is undeniable. Right, dude. That's one of the things I loved about the the series of him going back.
1: It's like every scene, just about every scene in the episode with Ty after you know the funeral is him just going back to her cell again, revisiting again, revisiting again. And it's only because she keeps appearing as Ellen. Like he, it's all he's doing all this song and dance, pretending oh, I'm down here to question you, oh, I'm down here to ask you this tough question. But he's waiting now for these moments when she
0: appears as Ellen mm-hmm. to him. Like he just wants to see her again. We're the same now. Oh yeah, that kicks it off. Yeah, I live what you've done. Veins? Are you asking for absolution? So I mean, by the wife he killed. Yeah, that is. Oh, that was such
1: a great, powerful moment of his literal dead wife standing there saying, "Are you asking for absolution from me? Are you asking for forgiveness?" I, and it's like you know he he wants to fucking scream,
0: yes, yeah, but instead he goes the way of pain. Yeah, God, that's badass. After she <laughs> knocks brutal. him around, she kisses him. I love, I, and he's like more beat harder, mommy. I love that moment where six wakes up and she's like, "Oh, I'm, is this how I'm going to wake up from now on
1: <laughs> Are you saying that's an Dude, option, his,
0: six? Because if so, then yes, one hundred percent. Dude, his
1: like doting face when he's Dude. like staring at her asleep, like he's just he is just staring at Ellen. Yeah,
0: you're informal. You're you're, you're traveling light. I love that. No no guards. You know. <laughs> and dude, that, that moment
1: where she's telling the story, like, it's one of these great, this is such a cool scene, just the mm-hmm. way it's all shot, like, uh, you know, it's after she has kind of, her visage or whatever has turned into Ellen, and she's telling the story of being on Caprica and falling in love with Baltar, but she hasn't named Baltar yet, she's saying, you know, it was falling in love with him that made me realize what it's like to to love somebody who's mortal and will I won't have them forever, and inflicting all of that pain on the world and watching him have to endure it made me understand death and made me me realize how fragile his body is and then she's like it was gaius baltar who helped me understand and he's like oh i don't want to hear about the fragile body of gaius fracking baltar like you know in those moments he was kind of indulging in this fantasy of think like, you're talking about me
0: right because right. we're we're seeing ellen as it's being said you know this man who had exactly. pride in himself and, and thought he knew everything Right. That's such like a beautiful visual cue of we're getting the story that
1: Saul wants to hear because he's hearing it from Ellen. And as soon as she kind of turns back into six and he realizes he's talking about Baltar, he's like, ah, that's not it. That's not what I fucking came here for.
0: Right. Ah, It's so good, man. Yep. It's awesome, man. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he's, once that spell is broken of the Ellen spell, it goes to six and she's like pain. Our minds were designed based on your minds. And, you know, mm-hmm. when she sits on the cot with him, it, it's just, you're you're done. You're, you're done. <laughs> That's what I mean. She's, she's dangerous constantly.
1: So dangerous.
0: You know, it does, and, and again, we have the switching back and forth shit. Um, but the, when the pain thing comes up and they lift the eye patch and, you know, we see pain kind of going on all around. She's talking about pain. Guys is getting a butt of the rifle in his face. And then Six just beats the brakes off him. And he's like, Oof. more. And this is this to him is the punishment he deserves maybe for Ellen. He, maybe he feels like he never was properly punished for it. He kind of got away with murder as they say.
1: Right. That's true. God. But yeah, he just continually asks for more. And I, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't quite know what to make of it, but we're at that moment where she's like, I realized I've made a mistake. This isn't what you need. And that's when she kisses him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the end of it. That's all we see between the two of them. It stops there. And I don't know what that means. I don't know. I want to talk about it. Yeah, let's get into it. Cause I'm like, is this, does she see, does she mean that in the sense of like, I need to offer you like intimacy and kindness? Or does it mean I'm going to now take a different tact
0: with manipulating you? I think it is a reconciliation moment that she set up a m- couple minutes before where she's talking about. I realized I played an integral role in the destruction of humanity while simultaneously falling in love with a man what she didn't say is a very is in in this man is a human and I am now destroying his people like I think there's this guilt there and I think the pain is 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 she's talking about the pain as a motivator but I think she's also thinking maybe this isn't what works maybe maybe it's the whole love thing that works right I think Maybe that's her saying, on the one hand, maybe us trying to annihilate you and force you with violence was not the right approach to your people. Maybe we should have done this instead. That's kind of how mm, I took it. Interesting. Because I don't think she has a real really? personal relationship with, with Saul. No. Um,
1: no, they've only had an antagonistic right.
0: relationship. So I don't know. I, I, think it, I think it could be played out in a metaphor through Saul as people— Uh, ultimately her enemy at one point um and that's kind of how i took it at at that time what's
1: especially interesting about that is it really drives home the idea that even six does not realize that Ty is a cylon like the that final five is truly top 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 ultra secret even among the silence because i think she really believes she's dealing with a human being and reaching out to a human being pretty cool
0: right very cool yeah i like that a lot Good stuff, man. Um, and I guess we can uh, we can talk about Roslyn and Bill. Um, is there anything else we want to get to in this episode before we move on? I mean, we we touched upon Tory sort of embracing it. There's not much more to say there. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, she, what's funny about her too, just as a quick last note on her, she's the one most fully embracing the whole Cylon identity and kind of just like eagerly accepting, like, all right, I'm a Cylon. This gives me a new lease on life. What the hell can a Cylon do? This is cool. Yeah. Um, but she's also the one who is seemingly the most behind Baltar and like kind of – I almost can envision her becoming like his fucking muscle in some way. Like she's really – behind him with this and i mean we we're already saying like the little sermon on the mount he gives there that kind of starts to solidify the cult of Gaiusism uh, <laughs> is pretty much cribbed from her idea yeah what she was saying to him pretty
0: awesome man so I, I find
1: that really interesting like should is that her is that her cylon sleeper cell mission to incite monotheism could there <laughs> be any human
0: could there be any more of a betrayal that rosin would feel
1: Oh, that's so fucking Good true word. Tori's out there fucking inspiring her
0: devil. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty inspirational moment. And when we do see Tori pretty affected by Gaius' speech, and Gaius, in fact, is affected by his speech, which is, you know, uh, he he he's saying he's saying it in, the, in an oh-so-Gaius way, but what he's saying is that we're perfect in our imperfection, basically. We are what we are. It, he makes it sound like we're all amazing because he's Gaius. But I think, and then he presses that button on the boom box that says "Come
1: as you
0: are." Nice, there you go.
1: That's fucking beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. He might, maybe that is what he's doing. I think that's. I think that's kind of the point here. He's saying we are. We are what we are. Basically, it's true. Yeah, unless he's trying to elevate them into some higher status. I'm not quite sure at this point. The only thing
1: that I find. Potentially dangerous and insidious about that is I'm like, well, that's like, uh, if you just think you're perfect and infallible, it kind of justifies everything you do, <laughs> no matter how awful it is. <laughs> like that seems to be problematic. I, <laughs> like, I would agree. No, I can I can wipe out this whole race of people because I'm perfect.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, this isn't great.
0: Yeah, kill the apostates, <laughs> Matthew.
1: <laughs> kill them all. Line them up. <laughs> I'm perfect, pop. I'm perfect, pop.
0: Mass Graves. <laughs> this is such a
1: perfectly dog mass <laughs> grave. Perfect.
0: <laughs> but uh, let's talk about <laughs> Bill and uh, and, uh, and Roslyn. Cute little scene. Yeah, but she's... Uh, she That's, is dying. It's, wor- <laughs> it's also one of those things like, you're lucky you're dying, because what I don't want to hear about is your gripes with my son while I'm trying to do a nice thing for you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, my son's real stick-up-your-ass. <laughs> I'm the only person here during your chemo.
0: I apologize that my son is a principled individual.
1: Right. Who opposes your very manipulations of the law towards one person?
0: Right. He's doing what he thinks is right. Well, yeah, well, easily. <laughs> thing is, it probably is the right thing. I like the admission here. She actually yeah. says yeah, that, I, you know.
1: That's true and that's again, that's it comes back to what I've always liked about Rosalind. I think at the end of the day she does have a good self-awareness. It just gets clouded in those moments when she's around guys. she just fucking can't handle herself.
0: This is where this is where Rosalind and Jean-Luc Picard differ because she says the pragmat she's basically saying sometimes pragmatism is better than right and, and, and Picard would never do that. Right. Said, Sometimes the right thing is a luxury. And I'm like, yeah, Picard wouldn't say that. Right. He, he, I'm not saying, you know, pick, pick, pick your leader. But one is he, you know, he's like, this, we're not going to do it the easy way. We're going to do it the hard way because it's the right way.
1: Yeah. Right. Where she's yeah. like,
0: eh, let's be pragmatic about the effects we could have here. I guess it depends on the actual consequences. And that's where I think there's a lot of times where pragmatism makes sense to me. But then there's a lot of times where it doesn't, when I think people are being lazy in the name of pragmatism because they don't want to try to intellectually come up with the right solution. They don't, you know, and it's not like he's holding 500 people hostage. There's a, you know, there's a, he's, he's just sort of got this little thing brewing. So maybe start thinking about a better way to handle it, which of course we talked about with our brilliant Machiavellian stylings. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I like this. uh, This moment between them is nice reading her a book again. Yeah. These two are great. What what do you think about Roslyn? What's what's going to happen to her? I, you know, I do think
1: that she's going to live out the majority of the show. I, I can imagine her being around up until the last two or three episodes. I don't think she's just going to die next episode now. I mean, I think we're going to Rosalind's going to be there through most of the end. I mean, we're in season four. If if this was happening, if this was the storyline happening with Rosalind back in, you know, towards the middle of season three, I'd be like, okay, maybe she doesn't make it to the end of the series. But I think she's going to make it pretty close— uh, what I'm really interested in to see is is if their relationship's going to become more outright romantic. Mm. Like they they
0: seem to be pretty damn close now. Yeah, they kind of got this weathering I mean. height, weathering heights thing, don't they? <laughs> Reading Betty by time, <laughs> time stories and together. They, you know, they're just court. It's like this the longest courtship and like the and the way his button glistened off his eye. Ooh, it made me feel so special in my bosom. Mm. You know, it's that gets <laughs> very hope innocent. To w- <laughs> I hope to one day touch his hand. The sexual restraint, Wuthering Heights over here. But anyway, I hope someday he fills me up with his husband's bulge. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Gaius lays a kiss on Saul. I'm sure he hates that. Wait, Gaius? No, Six lays a kiss on. What's going on in my head? Well, I want to see those two kissing. That's mm, hot. Give me a bloody kiss, Gaius. No argue. Just do it. I can't. All right, come here, you little bastard! (laughs) Oh, bets fair and square. (laughs) (laughs) Just the angriest, most aggressive kiss. He he socks him in the face afterwards. But no, uh, six lays a kiss on. uh, I got. I have Gaius on the screen, so I'm saying what I see. Was I saying? Oh, Saul gets the nice kiss by six, which we already kind of talked about. But yeah, that's pretty much the episode this week. We get a little teaser on um, Anders being around, and we have that kind of speech. Yeah, that would do (laughs)
1: that moment with Anders looming above Starbucks as she sleeps, and she's like, you know, just covered in sweat and like quivering, having some crazy fever dream or something, <laughs> and he's just comes over and just is standing over her for a second. I don't fucking know what to make of that, man. <laughs> it's awesome. That is so. I'm like, ooh, that's some like. I'm like, is this about to turn to Event Horizon? Like, this is not looking good over there. The Demetrius <laughs> looking. He just rough. hammer
0: fists her head into fucking omelets. He's like, whoa, that was not how I expected her to die.
1: (laughs) Wow, wow, you really found your Cylon strength, didn't you, Anders? Imagine
0: how he comes down, boom, a fucking table just breaks in half. She's on the floor. You're like, Jesus. Her eyeball just flies out. Holy crap. Jesus. You got (laughs) Glend. Anders, she's saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't love you. You did this.
0: Anders.
1: uh." Oh, Christ. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, that's looking spooky over there.
0: <laughs>
1: she's in the middle of a religious fever dream and she's got a Cylon possible assassin standing over her. I don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> Andrews is the man. framed, framed <laughs> scarily. <laughs> awesome. Well, that was a good episode. Uh is there any other uh listener comments from uh the episode that you wanted to get to? Ooh, yeah. Let me let me dig into these a little bit.
1: Um Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Mr. Tommy Brinkley. He's
0: always got good comments.
1: (laughs) He's always got a good comment. Uh, And, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, he's got a great question at the end of it I want to get to. So here we go. Uh, He said, the sons of Ares are just awful individuals. (laughs) First, they cockblock Gaius, who's about to be filleted by Tory, as they barged (laughs) into the cultist's lair and proceeded to beat up women. They are unable to locate Baltar in a place where he never leaves.
0: No at first, shit, right? When I
1: watched the episode when I watched the episode years ago, I didn't fully understand why Tyrrell was so distraught over the death of Callie. Tommy, she was his wife. Come on, Tommy. He was like, I was
0: still a young robot at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was into Nolan movies. I had not gotten my uh, emotion
0: chip from Geordie.
1: Uh, but he said now perhaps my bias played into it as I could never warm up to her character on the show and that's what made the conversation between him and Adama at Joe's bar so interesting to me aside from the Adama fake out Mm -hmm. when Tyrell admitted that he settled for Callie and that if he knew what he knew now uh, the fact that he's a Cylon maybe things would have been different I kind of felt that my opinion of her was vindicated by the showrunners (laughs) ouch Uh, but he said Ty's trying desperately to hold on to the man he was before however so much of the man that he was before is rooted in the destructive relationship that he had with his wife, Ellen.
0: Pause. Very good po- That's a great a very, fucking point. It's a very good point. That's why I wanted to get to it. That a is a comment. really great portion of his commentary because how true is that? All, yeah. all of what once, once, you know, Ellen came onto the show, it became this cycle and it oh, it no. was, you could argue that her presence on the show really altered Ty and, it made us go, God, he's, she brings out really bad elements in him and, and it's not a good, it's a very destructive space. <laughs> we don't want him in it. But it's also compelling right. to watch. So, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: And, and like he's, I think he's, Tommy's got a great point of her as far as like Ty misses Ellen and loves her, you know, loved her very deeply, misses her, but also misses that kind of probably like just the intensity of that Mm. kind of antagonistic relationship. Like it's a a pattern
0: that develops in your mind. And even though it's destructive and painful, it's familiar. So, you know, there's no surprises in it. Like you, and and you don't have to reconcile with certain truths because you were in this cycle and there's an odd comfort in that, in that badness. That's that it's rough. That's, that's, you know, damaged fucking people. That's how they behave. And you tie is a hundred percent damaged.
1: Yep. Good fucking catch. Tommy. Uh, but then he also says asked a really good question, Matthew, how do you think Colonel Ty's visits with Caprica Six evolve going forward? Hmm. Is this a is this a ploy by six, or do you feel that her intentions are genuine? That said Caprica Six can be my therapist anytime mm, indeed, uh, fucking, a. but dude, that's a that's a question I've been thinking about. Um, and I you know, on my second viewing by the end of the episode where she kisses him. I, on my first viewing, I was like, this is a ploy. This is a ploy by six. I mean, he has been nothing but fucking horrible to her. He's beaten the shit out of her. He's treated her like dog shit, absolute Cylon scum. She's This is a ploy, and she's going to you know get it over on him and then fucking make her escape or do something, manipulate him into to kind of helping her, working for her. I thought that's what was going on. On my second viewing, I feel a little differently about it. I do think... I'm not sure if her intentions are 100% genuine. I think she may be still looking to get something from him, but I don't think she's trying to actively fuck him over either. Um it it seems like she does have some weird sad affinity for him. And and just the fact that he approached her and is asking her, like I said, mean, even though he never outright asks it himself, I think she asks it for him when she's like, "Are you asking me for absolution?" Mm. That's what you're that's what you came here for. Uh and she knows that, "Yeah, I'm right. That is what you came here for." And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a full-blown ploy that she's going to, like, you know, dupe Ty with and try to kill him or something. I don't think it's that. But I'm not quite sure what else it is. You know what's <laughs> funny about you
0: saying this and in, in reading this comment and sort of uh, riffing riffing over the top of it, this idea of how the relationship between the two has been bad and he's kind of inflicted violence upon her at times. Yeah, And it brings us right into this moment where she's inflicting upon him and maybe kind of understanding – why he would be so mad at her for the destruction of humanity and why he might take it out on her and why maybe that punishment and pain helped her kind of understand, which is almost like her returning the favor. You know, it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool parallel because for him, it's, it's Ellen. And for her, it was the destruction of humanity, the betrayal of, you know, not the betrayal, but the destruction of humanity, so to speak, or at least the attempted eradication of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I got one little clip from Daniel Mertz I want to read. Isn't it nice that Ty finally realized she really just wanted a tall blonde to beat his face in? If only Ellen had realized that's what would make, well, that's what would have kept him happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he comes home drunk and shitty, and she just fucking palms his nose, just, and he's like, oh, thanks, baby. Yeah. That's that good shit.
0: He also talks about Adama and how he balances being a decent, caring person when it comes to his crew at the same time to have to be the aloof, ultimate source of authority. It's a tough balancing act. So, yeah, it's good stuff. We didn't talk, we didn't really say that. We just were, so I like that. That's a good observation as well. But uh,
1: mm, yeah,
0: yeah, it's a great book. I mean, we kind of
1: talked about that as, as far as the tension sure. of I'm down here to be kind to you and reach out to you. But if you're going to lash out at me like this, I can't still just let it slide. Right. <laughs> like, he's the person where it's like somebody like Hilo or, you know, they can be like, okay, well, fuck you, you're being a jerk to me. But also, I'm just going to walk mm-hmm. away and just kind of let this slide. Like, Adam, I can't do that. Right. <laughs> He is the leader of the entire military standing in front of everybody in a bar. Right on, dude. Dude, you, pu- you put a fucking spotlight on him. He
0: has to react. Yep. Well, that concludes our coverage of Escape Velocity. Thanks to everybody who rode in. Uh, and yeah. uh, this was a good episode. This is a lot of fun to talk about. I, I enjoyed this episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the next episode, Matthew, which I believe is called The Road Less Traveled, uh, which, of course, we will be dropping on Saturday the 30th. So in two weeks' time. yes, So my vacation does not impact the BSG schedule, which is good for BSG people. Nice. Awesome. Well, anything you want to say before we get going? No, I think I'm, think I'm tapped, everybody. All right. Uh, I guess we won't see
1: you until then, so have a happy Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, there you go. Have a great Thanksgiving. That's good stuff, Matt. All right, we're going to get out of here, and we'll catch you guys on the flippy side.